Hey guys, DJ here. This is a disclaimer. Applied Materials is a 100% non-profit, fan-made project set within the Orpheus Protocol game system. The Orpheus Protocol is an actual play podcast and tabletop role-playing game system created by Rob Stith and published by Varkalak Press. If you'd like to know more, please check out the main podcast at www.orpheusprotocol.com and patreon.com slash orpheusprotocol if you'd like to show more support for the main podcast. Thank you for your time, and please enjoy the following episode. Welcome to Applied Materials, an Orpheus Protocol actual play podcast. My name is DJ and I will be your host for tonight. On the cast list for our journey into the unknown, Kale as Oscar Wint, Greg as Caspian Smythe III. Tonight's episode, Day in the Life, Part 5. Day in the Life contains violence, red string boards, conspiracy theories, and sudden, immediate danger. Consider this your warning. Previously on Applied Materials Just a few days before, Orpheus agents Oscar Wint and Caspian Smythe are going about their day following the investigation of Stark Contrast Media in Los Angeles, but they are beset by an encounter with an all-too-familiar manded bandages. Reeling from the strange dreams, the two agents have no time to recover before they are given a new assignment by their handler, Tennessee, to secretly protect Lenny and his family from a potential attack. Oscar and Caspian, the two of you have met up at the small Orpheus safe house in Los Angeles. The both of you know that you have been contacted by that mysterious southern handler known as Tennessee, and he has told you that you are heading to Miami to meet up with, for Oscar, a new acquaintance, and for Caspian, an old friend. He goes by the name of Leonard Johnson, and... Although he doesn't know it, the two of you are going to go there to basically meet him, and then you'll get briefed by Tennessee on what you're going to do when you're in the city. Sounds good. I think uh, Caspian will show up with uh, kind of a brand new Nespresso coffee maker for the safe house because he is not satisfied with the with the brew coffee that they have there. Actually, it's probably instant coffee. Yeah, I think there like was... A percolator but it was very old and it has broken and so oscar has been living in the safe house and just making coffee with like the instant coffee that you just mix straight into the hot water and a microwave aka some of the shittiest instant coffee you've ever had and you've had gas station coffee that is better than this oscar it's it's not great well when uh caspian shows up he'll be carrying this and put it on the counter and kind of look around. And can I tell that, that Oscar's been living here? Probably, yeah, pro- probably so. I don't think Oscar is like a particularly like messy person, but uh, you, you'd notice, uh, yeah. Well, I guess I kind of see like the Folgers crystals on the countertop or like out, out and in use. And <laughs> without, without even turn around, he'll just say, You're, you've been drinking this stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like, there's like a, a lukewarm cup like on the counter and Oscar walks up behind you and takes a drink out of it. And it's like, mm, yeah, yeah, I have. And looks ashamed. It's a, uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that we're not going to have time to use your new coffee maker before we leave. That's, 
Well, you can uh, help yourself when you're back later on. So uh, let's hope we get that chance. But uh, someone will appreciate it someday, even if not us. Well, Caspian will go about unpacking that and starting to set it up until Tennessee calls. Oh, he's not going to call you. The two of you have already been booked plane tickets. It has been assumed that the two of you are going to go to the airport with those tickets and go to Miami by yourselves and he doesn't have to babysit you. That. Yeah, I kind of got the sense that we were like meeting up here so, so that you could drive me to the airport. In that case, uh, Caspian will just drop it off on the counter and say, well, you've got this to look forward to when you get back. Uh, but for now, shall we take off? Mm-hmm. Oscar is ready to go. And uh, Caspian leads the way out to uh, the Lexus that is probably uh, illegally parked right out front of the safe house. There's a wheel on the curb. It's this big, wide, affront to nature, and you've parked it with a wheel on the curb. And probably half in a handicap space. I don't think there's even handicap parking out here. It's like one of those street-side laundromats. So it's you're literally parking it on the sidewalk. Yeah, one wheel up on the curb for sure. Beeps it, beep, beep, and uh, gets in and... What's uh what's Oscar got for luggage? Um well so I think what Oscar doesn't have a ton of luggage. Oscar probably would just travel carry on, but uh can't carry on his like knife collection. So there's like two backpacks basically is what it is. Uh one that gets checked and one that goes on the plane. Yeah, you can just toss that in the back and uh we're ready to go. Mhm. Caspian, you drive Oscar over to LAX. The flight is scheduled to leave in about two hours when you arrive. You spend some time in the airport checking in, browsing duty-free, and generally doing all the things that you do when you're waiting for a flight, especially since it's the early morning. Probably get some breakfast. And the flight to Miami, Florida is peaceful and uninterrupted, thankfully. There's a small part of you that is very relieved when you feel the plane wheels touch down in Miami-Dade International Airport, thanking your lucky stars that it isn't a repeat of what happened all those months ago. As the two of you leave the airport, you see that there is someone waiting for you where all of the taxi stands are, where your Lyft drivers and your Uber drivers are waiting. This guy is rather tall, had a medium-length, messy brown hair, He's wearing sunglasses, the big kind, a rather loose-fitting jacket, t-shirt inside, cargo shorts, and flip-flops. And he's holding a little cardboard sign that reads Oscar plus Caspian. Fair enough. Oscar will go to a sign with his name on it. Caspian will follow along and uh, will give the whatever today's uh, challenge call is. The guy responds in kind, and he extends a hand for the both of you to shake, and he says, Good morning. Welcome to Miami. My name is uh, Callisto. I'll be your driver for today. Good to meet you, Caspian. Oscar will stick out his hand and mumble something. Yeah, I think Caspian is one of those uh, extra firm, assert dominance handshake people. So he does that with this guy. His handshake definitely doesn't beat yours in a contest of dominance asserting Caspian, but he does still shake nice and firm. He gestures for the two of you to follow him towards the parking lot, and you see that as the two of you follow him, he is leading you to kind of beat up old school, like a late 90s Buick sedan. 
looks like it hasn't seen a service center or a garage in like 15 years. And yet somehow it still runs. Kind of how Oscar imagines Florida as a state. So that's probably fine. Old and beyond its years. Also hot and tropical. Sounds right. I think Caspian will just make a beeline for the uh, passenger side rear door. You're, you're going to make me sit up front. Oh, or the other passenger seat in the back. <laughs> but no, I think Oscar probably takes takes shotgun if, if you sit in the back. Callisto gets in the driver's seat, turns on the engine. It rumbles and coughs to life. And pretty soon, the two of you are on the highway into Miami City itself. As the drive is going on, Callisto, he adjusts the rearview mirror, kind of gives both of you a glance, and he says... So, uh, I was told by, you know, the people over there that you're supposed to be expecting some dude named Asterius when you're at the base. Just, uh, to let you know that, I think he's supposed to be waiting in the parking lot thing. Can't really remember what they told me, but, you know, I was woken up early for this. I, God, I wish they paid me better, but, you know, beggars can't be choosers, I suppose. Does Caspian recognize the name Asterius? You do not. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think Oscar does either. I think Oscar's like, you're getting paid. I think Oscar works for an expense account, basically. Oscar is an expense account. That's also true. Yeah, I think uh, Caspian will make kind of a polite level of small talk, but not really engage too much. Yeah, whatever small talk you choose to engage in, Callisto reciprocates to the best of his ability. Doesn't sound all the way there if you know what i mean this guy but for what it's worth he's amiable and friendly and the two of you pull up in front of a rather drab looking but still pretty shiny looking skyscraper in the center of miami one of the big ones and as you're pulling into the loading bay you see waiting in the bay itself is a rather squat and wide man pretty old not older than you caspian but probably mid 40s he's got short black hair he's wearing a bright hawaiian shirt shorts shoes he's got a small watch on his wrist he looks weathered in a good and a bad way and he has his hands in his pockets as this car pulls up into the loading bay and stops callisto rests Callisto rests his elbow on the shoulder of his chair and he says, All right, this is where you two get out. I, I will get out. Thanks for the ride, Callisto. And he'll kind of uh, pat the back of the, the driver's seat as he gets out. Hey, no problem, man. I just do what I'm told. Don't we all? As the two of you get out, the rather squat man strides forward, extends a hand, and he says, Good morning. Uh, my name's Asterius. I, I'm guessing the two of you are Oscar, Caspian. Oscar nods. Uh, Caspian gives a handshake again and uh, says, Caspian Smythe, good to meet you. Yeah, Asterius, don't get too comfortable. Now, on behalf of our mutual employers, welcome to Miami. You'll be housed in this facility today. We've got a couple of floors that have been taken over as part of our operation. We've set up some lodgings there. The two of you have individual rooms. We've made it look like one of the swankier hotels here in Miami, but for all intents and purposes, this is, well, it's a base. The whole skyscraper? 
not the whole skyscraper, about five or six floors in the center of it, plus the security in the ground floor. All right, what facilities do we have that we might want to check out? Not much. When our mutual employers built this place, they intended for it to be a paper-pushing facility. A lot of offices, library, a lot of places where people can do data analysis and case construction, data management, that sort of deal. This place is a hub for a lot of the bigger cells and other handlers that run missions out of, you know, the whole Florida, Georgia area, South Carolina too. I mean, when it gets further up north, you have other bases elsewhere, but... For what it's worth, whatever operations that happen in the states around here that are basically touching Florida, you know, they hold up here. Fair enough. So what are we here for? The two of you are here to provide security for one of our data analysts. Caspian, I do believe you know this man. His name is Leonard Johnson. We've met. Yeah, I figured as much. He's here with his family on a quote-unquote staycation, but... The real reason is that we need Lenny's help as the lead data analyst for the applied materials case. Now, I'm not involved personally with the case. All I know is one of my charges, Vlad, was part of that investigation at some point. I haven't really been paying attention to this particular case. I've got other things on my plate that need doing. You'll be talking to Tennessee for that. All right, so I guess for now we just get settled in and wait to hear from Tennessee. Mm Mm-hmm. If all goes according to plan, the two of you should be here for about a week and a half while Lenny finishes his work. Most likely, he won't even know you're here, which will be a good thing because we don't want to worry him as much as we already have. Does he have something to be worried about? Well, I mean, put it this way. You're the guy who stumbled onto a secret applied materials operation in the Ocala National Forest up north, so they probably know already, which means most likely... They'll send people to nab Lenny and his family at some point. And we can't let that happen. We just want to make sure we cover all our bases, you know? Makes sense. Applied Materials is a big-ass company, from what I know. And they definitely have the resources to send in the whole unmarked chopper, black-clad soldiers, that kind of nonsense. We just need to make sure that we'll be able to deal with it when the time comes. You're expecting that kind of response in... The downtown core of a city in the States? I mean, you know how politics is these days. They'll write it off as a gas leak, or some sort of accident, or another mass media-based shooting. You know how it is these days. This country's on fire, unfortunately. And I think the fire's only going to get worse. Caspian kind of grimaces and nods. Pretty concerning, yeah. Um, Well, we better meet with this guy then, sounds like. There's some prep work to do. So I guess uh, we head up to our rooms then and and wait to hear from Tennessee. Yeah, I'll check you two in. And he gestures for the two of you to follow him to the loading bay. You do so? As the two of you follow Asterius, he leads you into the building itself. And you can see that within the loading bay, there is a little elevator, like a freight elevator that people use to haul cargo. Probably office supplies, you figure. And as he takes the two of you into the elevator, he closes the doors and then shifts a little panel on one of the walls and then presses his hand against the glass plate that is within this uh, hidden wall panel. You can see it scan his hand slowly. And then the elevator shudders and starts moving upwards. A few minutes pass and the elevator stops. 
you figure you're probably somewhere in the middle of the building at this point. And as the doors open, he leads you out into a relatively normal-looking office space. There's cubicles, a bunch of small enclosed offices. But there's not a lot of them because further down the hall, it opens up into what looks to be an area designated for lodgings. You can see a bunch of rather nicely constructed door frames and doors that resemble your typical hotel room, complete with the keycard locks and everything. And Asterius turns to the both of you and says, Ta-da! Welcome to the Hilton. Or at least the Hilton. And he says that with air quotes. I mean, it's unlikely to be worse than where I've been living for the last week or so. Yeah, it looks pretty all right to me. I guess Cassian will go to the, the nearest room and... Unless we have other instructions, he'll kind of wave to wave to Asterius and and uh, Oscar and head into his room. Asterius holds out his hand, gestures for you to wait, and he says, oh, "Now hold on a second. Let me just fill you in on what's going on here. We've got a couple of floors of facilities. There's a gym, training facilities, med bay, all on the other floors. You can ask someone if you get lost." The main office floor is upstairs, just one floor above us. And that is where Lenny's been spending most of his time. He's been here a while, but I don't know. Something about Tennessee, when he called me and asked me to set security for him, sounded convincing, and he sounded pretty uptight about something. I don't know what. But he asked for increased security, and I asked him if he had any recommendations, and he gave me your names, both of you. Especially you, Caspian. He seems to like pairing you and Lenny together. I think it must have been for that flight you had in, like, October, was it? It was. I don't think we uh, would have survived it if we weren't paired up. Yeah, I could probably see the link there. Yeah, his room is actually down the hall there. And he turns around, points to the end of the hall where there's about three more doors, and he points to the one in the center. And he says, that's the one where, where he and his family are staying for the next week and a half. If he sees you, that's fine. I don't have any instructions from Tennessee to keep you too secret, secret. But he's technically not supposed to know that y'all are here to protect him. Or, you know, protect him or his family. That sort of deal. You know what I mean? Don't want to make him worry. Yeah, it makes sense. Surely he knows of the, like, the shit he's gotten himself into, right? This isn't a, this isn't going to be news. Well, we've been a little light with the details. I mean, technically, he's already retired. He's left Orpheus. He had a pretty nice severance package. He went to live with his family. And then he stumbled upon a strange doorway out in the wilderness in the Ocala National Forest and called for our help. So it would make sense for us to call him back because, well, he's already involved in this case. All he knows is that he's come here to do some data analysis work for the investigation, tying all the loose threads together, including all the stuff that you found in L.A., I'm assuming. Presumably. Just to clarify, he's staying on the same floor with his whole family? Yeah. I think uh, his wife and kids are out now visiting some amusement park somewhere. Uh, they would have seen me on the flight. That's not going to be a problem, is it? No, I don't think so. Well, hopefully they don't even remember me. I mean, knowing Lenny and knowing his family, they'll probably think of you as just this family friend that's been away for a very long time. Lenny will know, but I don't think his wife and kids will mind. 
But still, better to keep the masquerade, you know? Just try not to let yourself get seen and stuff like that. That's fair. It's not like Oscar's going to tr- go try to make friends with this guy's kids anyway. To be honest, I think the, like, the first thing that Oscar's going to want to do is just walk around the entire facility like oscar's the oscar is very concerned about this to be honest and uh, doesn't really want to go interact with anyone and I, I would probably like to get a sense of like the layout of the the four or five floors or whatever that orpheus is using that they're in okay why don't you roll me an investigation check with your cognition please do you think that i could use a uh security uh, because that's kind of the goal here, right? Is to to get get a handle on the, like the physical security of the the setup. Sure, security with cognition. Then, all right. Well, garbage. I got a minus three on my roll, which gives me a zero. And while I d- did in fact say I was going to use a skill, actually, then I will take my roll. Uh, well, that's a zero, so that's better. And I'll go ahead and blow mental strain to get a total of five all right with a five you are given basically full reign of the base it is six floors worth of office space that have been basically rented out by orpheus as far as you can tell this place has been bought over and renovated to suit the needs of a clandestine spy organization in the u.s The floor that you're currently on is the lodging and sort of half-work area. You know that when you walked through this floor initially that there were some offices, but it's not the full spread. And you know that the off... And you learn that the offices down here are more or less for the lesser staff that run this base. People like the cleaning crew, maintenance workers... The people who run the transportation network, drivers, pilots, that sort of deal. They mostly work out here. There is an office where you see Callisto go into a couple hours after you arrive here in the base. Looks like that office sort of functions like a dispatch center for any cells or agents that require a pickup from an Orpheus driver. As well as the lodgings. You can see that a lot of the rooms down here are tailored to look like hotel rooms. And there's even another specific entrance in this part of the facility that is tied to a civilian elevator that looks suspiciously like a hotel elevator. There's a whole masquerade shindig that is applied here. Basically, if there are any agents, if... They have civilian liaisons or attaches that need to be housed in this facility. They can just claim it's a hotel stay and then stick them in a room and have them never leave for a few days and then they can leave. That sort of deal. You figure that that's what Lenny's family are currently in and Lenny's probably somewhere upstairs working. As you continue your exploration of the base, Oscar, you learn that the floor below the lodging area is where the armory is it's not exactly small but it's not exactly very big either considering you can't really house a full-fledged military armory inside an office building and not have people notice when you haul in giant military crates full of guns and ammunition so it's 
quite well stocked with everything that you could expect in like a regular gun store. Semi-automatic AR-15s, 9mm pistols, 45 ACP pistols. No explosives, but body armor, knives, small arms, and civilian-grade assault rifle. And civilian-grade assault weapons galore. Okay, yeah. Fair enough. I mean, that's good to know. The topmost floor, you learn, is a server farm. Along with housing more of the facility's infrastructure. Things like power grid, piping, plumbing, ventilation. All of that shit is up here. The servers, you learn, are air-cooled with vents that lead out to the outside of the building and also to the roof. You know, very typical for a skyscraper, especially since this is a server farm. All of these giant racks of servers generate a shit ton of heat, but there doesn't appear to be much up here. There is security, though. Lots of cameras, and there actually are people lightly clad in armor with sidearms patrolling the hallways that you see every now and then. So in terms of, like, just ways to get into this sort of, like, little suite of floors, there's kind of the back elevator that we came up and then there's like the sort of faux hotel elevator and then presumably there are our typical kind of fire escape stairwells and then some heavy duty server ventilation not only that but obviously because this is an office complex essentially you've got a lot of hallways that border the outside of the actual building which means a lot of windows but you can remember that when you were approaching this building from the ground, it didn't appear like any of these windows looked any different from the outside. You know, kind of those big person-sized tinted windows, probably very thick, made to withstand any sort of bird impacts or whatever at high altitudes for the skyscraper. And then sort of just out of curiosity, like what is the business directly below and above like the Orpheus block? Accounting firms, for the most part. Lots and lots of very boring offices for insurance companies, accounting firms, law offices. Very stereotypical white-collar work. Oscar still looks, like, very rugged and, ab like, ab like not even, like, blue-collar dress, much less, like, white-collar dressed, right? Civilian clothes. Just a very unappealing person, kind of like poking his head in at these nice offices, like not saying anything, just being a creeper. But he does, he does not care about that so much. He just wants to know, just wants to know things. Uh, while Oscar is doing his tour of the various floors, I think uh, Caspian would first uh, want to bring in his spirit guardians uh, at rank one. Uh, they are still the alien type. Uh, like the classic greys uh, for anyone who's able to see them. Uh, and I think he'd want to make a trip to the security floor to pick up some gear and uh, talk to the head of security. But uh, if, if Oscar is finishing up, we can, we can wait for that. Uh, no, go for it. Uh, talking to head of security feels more like a you thing. Yeah, the human interaction thing. Um, probably more Caspian in general. Caspian, you head down to the armory level. And you meet with the armorer slash head of security. Rather burly looking man, full beard, bald, pretty nice mustache. And he's sitting behind this counter, feet propped up on the counter itself. You can see that it's also protected by bulletproof glass and a mesh. Looks like he's reading a newspaper. 
and behind him you could just see racks and walls of guns, ammunition, crates, armor mounted on walls, knives in a small case that is just behind him. I think uh, Caspian will give a little whistle and knock on the counter as he walks by and looks and say, looks like the best stock gun shop in this block of Miami. The guy puts down his newspaper and peers at you over the counter and then he gets his feet off the counter. You know, he's got to look professional, sits up. And as he stands, you can see that, oh boy, this guy's tall. And he looks real burly. Definitely ex-military, if you had to guess. And he says, well, yeah, gotta have the right equipment for the job, you know? And it's my job to keep all these things safe and to keep people safe. You, uh, you're new here? Haven't seen you around before? Not, not saying this to him, but do we know if he's been advised of like, the elevated threat? Uh, you wouldn't know that. You might have to ask him. Okay. Um, so Caspian will nod and say, yeah, just uh, flew in this afternoon. Uh, we're on protection detail for one of the data crunchers on the floor up, uh, hoping to gear up and maybe uh, hear a little bit about the security measures that you've got on these floors. He does give you a closer look, and then he nods, kind of hooks a thumb into his belt, runs a hand through his beard, and he says, Ah, so you're the guy I was told to expect. I thought you had a friend. Where is he at? Uh, looked like he was going to do some prowling around the floors to get a lay of the land. I thought I'd leave him to it and come down and talk to you. Ah, well, that just means he's getting a first-hand look at some of the facilities here. Probably some of the security measures, too. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, folks around here call me Miller. I run security as well as the armory. This place is my kingdom. And he gestures to the armory room and then also to the door in the side of the room that says security office. Well, good to meet you, Miller. We'll try not to, uh, not to invade your kingdom too much, uh, but I'd still like to hear about what you've uh, got in place and uh, pick up some gear. Things I wouldn't be able to bring on the airplane, you know? Yeah, we got those in spades. Now, the security systems in place here in the facility. Well, first of all, we've got the only two ways to get in and out of this place. The cargo elevator and the faux civilian elevator. Those two are biometrically keyed to staff here in the facility. Basically, if you join this base, you're going to have to have your fingerprints and your palm print entered into our biometrics database. And then and only then can you access the lifts. The cargo elevator is accessible by palm print. I bet you saw, uh, what's his face, Fatty McFatFat upstairs do the whole palm print thing for you. The civilian elevator runs off the same biometrics, but it's for fingerprints as opposed to a whole palm because, you know, we need to keep security and maintain the masquerade, if you will. So you will be told a specific floor you need to press and then it'll read your fingerprint and then the elevator will go up. That sort of deal. As for other external security measures, all of the windows on the outside, they are level 3A bulletproof glass should stop everything up to giant rifle calibers. So we have some semblance of security in the event that people try and invade from the outside. They'll find that extremely difficult. 
because we've got six floors of trained agents who know how to handle themselves in a fight, as well as two layers of bulletproof glass on the outside, security cameras on every floor. We were able to lock down important places like the server farm, the lodging area, and we're also able to flood certain sections of this base with neurotoxin. But that is a last resort in the event that whatever threat is in here is enough to overwhelm our defenses. We've got some good people here, you know, ex-military, private contractors, that sort of deal. My people, we run security, we patrol this place. Make sure everything is in tip-top shape and, you know, strong face in front of a secret government facility. Except, well, we're not paid by the government, are we? Caspian uh, kind of grins at that. No, we sure aren't paid by the government. Wondering about the elevators. We've got humans and security cameras on all of those. Yeah, of course. People downstairs, people upstairs, cameras in the elevators, out the, outside the elevators on every floor. And the civilian elevator only goes up to one floor, the lodging area. It doesn't connect to any other floors. Caspian nods along. Um, and I guess one, two, two more questions for you, actually. Uh, number one, any new people on your team in the past couple of weeks? He makes an effort of looking through a clipboard that looks kind of like a roster. And he says, no, oh, well, if they did, then they probably didn't clear it with me. I don't have anyone new on my list. No. Good, good. And uh, anything else you think that I should know about? Like any threats or risks that would keep you up at night? I guess you'd probably have already taken care of it if there were. Well, I mean, the biggest risk is that we're in the middle of a rather tall skyscraper on the Miami skyline. If someone were to attack us up here, there'd be a big national incident, most definitely going to be some form of government cover-up or Morpheus cover-up. I don't know. I'm not paid to think about that stuff. But to say that we're exposed is an understatement. Because if people know we're here, people are going to know we're here very fast. Well, I guess we'll just have to hope that the uh, demands of the cover-up will raise the, raise the cost of attacking us enough that no one will bother. That's the hope, in any case. I personally... Because of my own training, I don't hold out a lot of hope that whoever decides to attack here is going to bother about the public backlash. But, uh, you know, I'm kind of paranoid anyway. Try not, I try not to think about it too much. Hope for the best, expect the worst, I guess. Yep, exactly right. So you said you needed some stuff, right? That's right. Why can I get you? Oh, I'd like to have uh, an AR-15 if you got one. Some sort of sidearm. Some armor would be great. Just light Kevlar. And uh, if you've got any panaceas, I'll take some of those as well. Well, lucky for you, we've got an in-house hermeticist that is able to make some panaceas for us. Handy. Yep. He then turns around and goes about gathering up all the stuff that you want. It takes a couple of minutes. You can see that he's very methodical. Checks all of the guns that you need beforehand. Make sure their breaches are clear. There's no ammo loaded in them. Doesn't even give you a magazine to start with as he places an AR-15 and a very compact-looking Glock on the counter in front of you. I think uh, Caspian will pick them up and go through like uh, the same sort of checks that he just did just to show that um, he's trained on, on these weapons and isn't going to cause more harm than he prevents. As you go through these checks, he nods in approval. 
as he walks back to the counter, places a Kevlar vest and several magazines of ammunition in front of you, along with a small duffel bag that is empty. And he says, is there anything else you need? Maybe stuff stuff for your friend, because I was told to expect two people here, and I only see one. Well, I guess uh, I'll take the same kit again for him, and he can come down and see you if he wants anything else. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And he loads up the duffel bag that he's provided you with another rifle, another pistol, another vest, some more ammunition, and places that whole kit in front of you. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Miller. No problem. Enjoy the holiday kit and enjoy your stay. Now, yeah, the facilities aren't all that cracked up to be, but we make do with what we've got, right? At least the coffee's good. We'll have to try that this afternoon. Kind of gives you a lazy two-finger salute, sits back on his little chair, puts his feet up on the counter, picks up his newspaper, and returns to where he left off. Caspian will give a little wave over his shoulder as he leaves, and uh, we'll head back up and uh, strap the vest on under his shirt. Oscar, as Caspian is doing this, you've basically bummed around the other three floors in between the server farm and the lodging area, and you've come to the realization that these are all very boring, very dull office buildings. A lot of cubicle space, secluded offices for people to do individual work. There is an archive on the upper floor just underneath the server farm where you often see people walk in and out carrying either cardboard boxes full of notes, small manila folders, stacks and stacks of papers. Occasionally, you see hard drives or USB sticks, laptops, that sort of deal. Looks like this place is where they keep most of their written and digitized information. But other than that, there aren't a lot of good facilities here on these middle floors. Each floor does boast its own break area slash cafeteria where personnel can make their own food or warm up things that they've brought in you know like fast food stuff like that very typical office building break room equipment microwave fridge lots of cupboards with instant coffee or pre-ground coffee grounds coffee machine electric kettle bathrooms that sort of deal i feel like oscar has stopped and rooted through every break room to find some snack that looks like maybe it is up for grabs and has stolen a snack from from each of the each each of the different break rooms can you roll me a luck check please <laughs> let's, let's see how that goes uh minus one you look through this place you search each floor's break room from top to bottom you're not able to find a lot of snack food Presumably, these people keep their snacks either as healthy food, like celery sticks and carrot sticks with fucking ranch. You keep them in the fridge or something, because there appears to be a startling lack of potato chips, beef jerky, and other assorted junk food you would get at a 7-Eleven strewn throughout these three break rooms. You are able to turn up, like, a single Slim Jim, but that's about as far as you get. I, I think that probably means that Oscar has like a little Dixie cup with ranch dressing in it and is just kind of like eating ranch dressing by itself. So at some point, I think Oscar does probably do a pretty good job getting around these floors, but comes to realize that he's going to need to get into the like electronic security system because uh, obviously he didn't know about like the biometric security systems when he started this. So uh, he'll probably 
look for either a central security office or Caspian, which, whichever one he runs into first, uh, to 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 see about that. And while trying to get one Slim Jim through an, an overly large amount of branch, as you head back to the essential elevators, you're pretty much on the office floor just above where the lodgings are. And as the doors open, Caspian, you see Oscar standing in front of you. He's got a Slim Jim kind of half dipped into a Dixie cup of ranch dressing. I think uh, he'll look at the Dixie cup and kind of raise a finger as if he's going to say something and then just shake his head and give a look of disgust. And uh, after he's shaken that off, we'll say, I picked up some gear for you if you need it. Raises the duffel bag a bit. Mm-hmm. After some awkward dressing uh, juggling, Oscar will collect the duffel bag and sling it over his shoulder. I don't think he's going to dig around it right now. I think I feel like maybe we missed getting into the security system here. Is we may we probably should go check in with I don't know. Yeah, whoever whoever does their whoever whoever does their centralized security stuff. Well, I just talked to the physical security guy. That's who gave me this stuff. And he said there's biometrics on uh, each of the elevators. So, yeah, if, we're, if we need those to get around, we should probably do something about that, huh? Yeah, I think I was going to be like, well, shit, should have thought about that first. But uh, yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's let's get that done. Do we know where to go for that? It's the same security office that you were just at, Caspian. You remember that Miller told you that he handles all of the security which includes, you presume, the digital security, the biometrics and everything. So I guess we'll head back down there and uh, as I'm walking in, say, sorry, Miller, forgot one more thing. Um, here's Oscar. We both need to get added to the biometrics. So you take Oscar back downstairs to the armory. And as you show up again at the security office, Miller sort of stands up, puts down his newspaper again, and then looks at Oscar does a little once over and then he says yeah right i forgot about that actually why don't you step into my office and he gestures to the side where past the counter there is a little glass door that looks to be sealed he gestures for the two of you to walk over and as you approach he keys in a little number combination on his side of the glass and the door slides open all right in we go i guess he leads two of you he leads the two of you to a security office. It's nice and spartan. Most of the space in here is taken up by a bank of TV monitors that you can see cycle through a bunch of CCTV camera feeds, most likely scattered throughout the building. You can see that there actually is another guy in here who appears to be sipping on a soda as he is keeping an eye on these cameras. Next to the camera terminal is another smaller computer station along with what looks like an ATM card reader without the slot in which you would stick a card in. And it looks like a terminal with a little glass screen on it, big enough for someone's hand. Miller walks over to the computer, turns it on, kind of sits down, and he gestures to the other guy that's sitting there and says, "Ah, that's Kyle. He watches the cameras here. Doesn't really need sleep. Kyle looks up from his soda at the two of you, Nods, then goes back and looking at the cameras. Miller then says, So I'm going to need the two of you, one at a time, obviously, to come here 
And when I tell you, you're going to put first your index finger onto that little glass screen there. Let the machine scan it. And then when I tell you, you put your whole hand down there. Let the machine scan it. And then I'll enter you into the system as guests, quote unquote. And then you should be free to enter and exit for the duration of your stay. Well, I will do that. I will do the thing that I was told to do. You do the thing that you were told to do. You place your index finger onto the glass pane, watch the machine scan it quite briefly. Then you stick your palm there. It does the same thing. Caspian, you repeat this procedure. It's very quick. And within the span of five minutes, the two of you are entered into the system here in the Miami base. And I think uh, before we head out, Caspian will ask the guy at the cameras, uh, so is there any way we can see those from upstairs? Kyle looks to you and he says, no, everything is down here. Caspian will say, mm, all right, uh, just uh, anything looks even slightly out of the ordinary, uh, let us know, give us a call. And uh, kind of does the communicator contact exchange. He nods and doesn't say much else. It's pretty clear that this guy is probably a man of few words. Yeah, uh, Caspian will not push things further. So what next then? I guess we wait. Wasn't sure if Tennessee was going to be in touch or not, but uh, I think uh, it's just a matter of uh, sitting and hoping nothing happens. As the two of you leave the security room, Caspian, you get a call on your phone. Answer it. You hear on the other line someone that you recognize. Howdy, two of you. Did you manage to get into the facility all right? Uh, Tennessee, yes we did. Good, good. Hope the staff there haven't given y'all any trouble, have they? No, they've been very friendly. Good, good to hear. So, Asterius has probably briefed you on the situation. Y'all are there to provide security for Lenny as he does his thing. He is putting together a bunch of information that we've been getting from all the investigations that y'all have been carrying out all across the country and around the world at this point. It's a lot of data, and unfortunately, it's not something that I can sift through all by myself, which is why I needed his help. He should be in the facility now, but if he ain't, he's probably with his family doing some holiday stuff. At least that is the cover that we were supposed to give his family. He probably isn't there now, considering it is a little late. He's probably with his family. But it's good to have the two of you on hand in case something's bound to happen. You'll be there for the next one and a half weeks, if all goes according to plan. Nothing should happen. Well, I say that, and I probably just jinxed this whole investigation. But we're prepared for any eventualities. You just let me know if you see anything wrong, or you hear anything wrong while you're there. You'll be the first to know. If you have a question for you, Tennessee, should things go bad, do we extract Lenny? Or is this sort of a, a hold here at all costs situation? No, no. You are taking him and you are running. You are taking him and his family. I have a backup plan just in case. In the eventuality that someone might attack us and try and get at Lenny and his family, I've got an arrangement with some folks over in Utah to hold Lenny's family up there. But of course, this is a backup plan. And so, fingers crossed, it doesn't actually happen. So you, do we have a, an extraction plan? Uh, is there like a helicopter waiting for us or something? 
The fire exit stairs should be your best bet, considering this is a skyscraper and you're in the middle of it. It would take you a considerable amount of time to get to the rooftop for an air extraction. The best you can do is run down the fire stairs and hope. It does feel like a get-to-the-street-and-steal-a-car sort of scenario, huh? It does. I did put in a security recommendation for some sort of emergency exit straight down that involves something more than stairs. But I suppose the higher-ups at Orpheus didn't really pay attention to it. They don't want to redecorate this building more so than necessary. Kind of sad, but yeah, what can you do? Oscar briefly imagines like an eight-story fire pole, and it's just a little bit sad that it does not exist. And I, I'm assuming uh, when he's out and about with his family, there's another team on him? Yep, he's got a covert escort at all times whenever he's out there with his family, even his family have an escort of their own if he ain't there to be with them. So far, everything's been peachy keen, but, you know, you still got a week and a half to go. Ain't nothing else to do but wait. And is there anything in particular that we should be looking out for, or just uh, any and all? Any and all? But if we're talking specifics, then I would say you might want to be careful. If you see any indication that you're going to be attacked by black-clad PMCs, with unmarked helicopters and equipment. That is probably Black Steel Industries, the American PMC that has been financing and handling a lot of applied materials, security, and take and hostile takeover elements. I think the two of you have run into some of their security over in L.A. right now, or at least dug up some data on them. Fortunately, haven't seen their security yet, but uh, their tech facilities are terrifying enough. Yeah, well, unfortunately, some of the other teams around the country haven't had as much luck. So, we figure, throughout the course of this investigation, that Black Steel Industries are going to be a key antagonist against us. Because they have firepower, they have equipment that outmatches us. So far, I've heard reports in Finland that they even have their own facilities to make cyborgs and cybernetic enhancements to people which is not great. So be on your guard for those guys. And specifically regarding the two of you, I wouldn't be surprised if the folks that you conducted an investigation against and whose facility you subsequently destroyed, I would hazard a guess that they're going to retaliate at some point. You know who I'm talking about, right? Stark contrast. Yep. From what we understand... Their work has to do with memetics in advertising. And we did have a particular plane where Orpheus agents were brainwashed by memetic agents hidden in kill images sent to their phones. So it's a lot of work to... It's a lot of stuff we need to be careful about. A lot of things up in the air. Does the security team here know to be on, the gar on guard for memetic attacks as well? It's part of their whole suite of security. All of the people on the security team have been trained in anti-memetic procedures. If there happens to be an outbreak of some hazardous brainwashing agent in the form of images, there are, or at least there's supposed to be, protocols in place to lock down the building and prevent us, and prevented the spread of that. Probably got an EMP nestled somewhere in the building to take out everybody's electronics, make sure that shit doesn't spread. Good. Makes sense. In any case, y'all better settle in. It's going to be a long one and a half weeks. Guess we go. better go uh, check out the room service menu. 
Um, let us know if you hear anything else, Tennessee. Uh, we'll check in regularly. No problem. I've got some other business I need to take care of, but I have all of you on speed dial. Likewise. Great. Here's open. And he hangs up. And uh, I guess with that, uh, Caspian is going to go uh, unpack his stuff and take a shower. So I would like to know, how do the both of you spend the next few days? Because it gets pretty boring keeping track of Lenny as well as his family, as well as trying to keep out of their way over the next week or so. I think a good chunk of Caspian's time um, is kind of whenever he is distracted, uh, thinking about the strange dream encounter he had. I think he has written and erased and rewritten a text message to his wife uh, lots of times, thinking about does he does he actually want to rekindle things because there was certainly a reason why they broke up like is he was the dream exaggerating the happiness that he felt at that time because it doesn't quite line up with his uh actual memory of it does he just want to kind of reestablish the relationship with his daughter what should he actually do about this ring that he has like he's thought about how that would go down if he actually just said hey I've got this ring that you had on as a necklace and lost. How would how would he explain that? So yeah, I think a lot of his time is is spent mulling over all of that. I think for Oscar, it's really the opposite. Oscar has also a fair bit of of sort of psychological uh, conflict and discomfort at his recent experience, but uh, would rather like not think about it and and work through it. So. Oscar is has a tendency to be uh, anxious. Sort of intellectually, Oscar understands that uh, physically following each of these people 100% of the time is not actually his job, uh, but uh, sort of he has a hard time convincing himself of that emotionally. So he's going to do his best to be following somebody most of the time. And, and I think he's especially worried about people when they go outside of the complex which again i'm not entirely sure is supposed to be his job but he will probably do it anyway so i think he spends his time just just following them around being being as as sneaky as possible but just shadowing leonard and and especially like his family when when they leave the orpheus complex does he tell caspian that he's doing that I mean, probably, yeah, unless Caspian is really just way, way too off in his own little, uh, like, thing. Because cause Oscar is not great at, like, interrupting people when they've clearly got something on their minds. So I don't think Caspian is brooding over this. It's more just, uh, like, if he's if he's sitting there kind of just waiting for something to happen, that's where his mind will go. But uh, he's also trying to stay busy. like. Uh, and and not be too distracted. So perhaps it is it is welcome when Oscar's like, hey, we maybe we should get in the habit of following them outside of outside of the the complex. Do you think both of us should go, or uh... maybe we can switch off? What does Leonard's day typically look like? Like over the next couple of days, kind of kind of what does their routine 
shake out to be. So you've been observing Leonard for the last few days, and it looks like his schedule turns out to be that he has his wife handle the kids for a bet the better half of a day while he sits in a cramped small office in the floor above the lodging area and works on this case. You haven't been fully like knocking on his door and just checking in to see how he's doing kind of deal, but you've been basically posted across the hall from him just observing in a dark office with the lights off. So perhaps the first day Oscar just like Oscar takes it on himself to 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 follow the wife and kids as they go do something and then the second day is like i should probably see if caspian wants to get out of like the dark <laughs> brooding like the brooding office and go, and go do something today yeah i think uh, caspian would take the opportunity to to be out and about with the family but would also uh, also definitely be uh not just hanging out in the office all day like he would definitely take it, the opportunity to go and use the gym um go for a walk around the block to kind of ostensibly to check on security but also just to stretch his legs and get some air and sunshine and so time passes quite smoothly a little bit nervously and tense because the two of you are on heightened alert looking after this person caspian your friend who appears to be in some sort of danger, but you don't know where the danger is coming from. And so it is after one of these routine, non-eventful days out, Oscar, that you find yourself returning to the Miami base. It is a weekend. You've just spent the day out shadowing Lenny and his family as they visit the coastline. They go down to... They went down to Miami Beach, had a real fun day out, and they have just gotten back to their pretend hotel to rest off the rest, to cool off the rest of the day. And, and Oscar, you are, and Oscar, you know that they are going into the base via the concealed civilian elevator. That is perfectly fine. You know that the security there is tight and that whoever, and that whoever answers the elevator over there has the biometrics to bring them up to the base. Oscar probably does go like use the other elevator rather than rather than like follow them into an ostensible hotel elevator. As you get into the elevator and slide open that panel, press your hand against it, let it scan you. I would like you to make an awareness check with your perception, please. Well, I think Oscar gets a one. It's two. And I rolled a minus one. And I guess I have awareness at A or at B. So I, t- I take it I should re-roll this. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's, re- let's do the re-roll here. Let's see how that goes. Uh, all right. There's a even on the dice. And uh, I suppose I will uh, take this hint. I'll, I'll blow a strain for a total of three. Probably still not good enough, but uh, you are tired. Miami is hot. It's a tropical climb, and you are a North boy. You really love the cold and the snow, and so coming down here into the muggy heat really sucks. Yeah, it's it's really bad. You've probably lost like your body weight in water 
through perspiration. At least that's what you think. Because, oh my god, it's so hot. And so you don't really notice anything except your desire to get into a place that has air conditioning. Which the elevator thankfully is. Or at the very least, it's away from the sun and therefore way cooler than what you experienced outside. Oscar has one of those like lightheaded moments when you step into a, like a like a, a really air conditioned building out of the heat and just kind of black out momentarily with leaning against the <laughs> against the wall. And so you don't really notice anything as the panel scans your hand, the doors close, and the elevator shutters and makes its way up to the facility. Caspian, what are you doing as Oscar is coming into the facility? Uh, I'm guessing we get kind of notifications of when he's arriving. Uh, so I think Caspian would have been out and about in the floor, like going around the floors and just keeping an eye on things, but would be heading back to either the dark office or uh, his own room when Lenny and his family are returning uh, just to be out of sight. All right. You are essentially waiting in the doorway to your room with the door open just a crack so that you can sort of stare out the door without anyone noticing that your door is actually open. As you put down your phone, Oscar has just texted you about the location of Lenny and his family as they come home, quote unquote home. And a few moments later, you see them walk into your vision. Lenny, his wife and his two kids, they're just as you remember them. They are a happy, almost the idyllic picture of the American dream. A very happy family. And there's this pang of jealousy that runs through you, Caspian, as you see this. Because deep down inside, you know what your family situation is like. Yeah, we are not going out for day trips. And when he sees Lenny's kids, just kind of realizes that he really has no idea what he would do with his daughter if uh, if they did go on a day trip. It's a little sad. Here you have a good friend, an old friend, that has just this perfect family dynamic, or at least on the outside anyway. And here you sit, alone. And I would like you to make a horror check against despair, please. Uh, I think I will bend too strained to make that a six. All right, you pass, standing to lose two preventable sanity damage. I think I will spend one to block one and take the other. All right, yeah, this hurts. There's a pang of guilt that just lances through your heart as you remember what the situation is like with your family. I think uh, until until very recently, Caspian uh, would have tried to convince himself that Lenny's life is boring and way too domestic um but he's not quite as able to fool himself of that and it is it is lonely ducking into this uh hotel room with like no one to call home to except uh oscar or tennessee really and so you watch the johnson family disappear into their hotel room however something that you don't expect is lenny leaving the hotel room and heading towards Somewhere, he disappears out of your vision. But it appears to be heading towards the elevators. Hmm, okay. Keep an eye through, uh, through the door and uh, maybe text Oscar to let him know that Lenny's on his way back out. Oscar, you get a text on your phone. It's Caspian. He says that Lenny is heading towards the elevator. So 
uh, Oscar has probably just been enjoying the air conditioning. Probably, actually, at this point, does not really want to go back outside. But since that's the implication of of being sent a text message, uh, he will. And we'll probably just go to whatever whatever elevator is closer. Which, since I think that Oscar is also staying in kind of the the faux hotel area, will will just be the same elevator. I think he's probably just going to end up getting in the elevator. Why don't you make me a stealth check with your charisma to see just how well you can hide the fact that you're tailing Lenny? It's your first time seeing the man. He is tall, like way taller than you thought uh, way taller than you thought an office worker could get to. And he's also very skinny, very lanky. He's got these long, kind of spindly limbs that really don't match the general frame of his body. But you can see that he also has the physique where you would imagine he's been trying to put on some weight, specifically muscle. So he does have sort of like the built-up biceps, the triceps. His chest is a little more broad than you would think it is. And this close, you can tell that he's probably had some form of strength training or like has put himself through some sort of fitness regime to get more, well, fit. As you are in this cargo elevator and then the door, and then you watch him walk into the elevator with you and press a button to go upstairs. So upstairs is not really what I was expecting, I guess. But uh, but yeah, so Oscar's trying very hard and is not great at this, but will spend three strain and get a three. You cough nervously. And Lenny sort of glances at you, raises an eyebrow, kind of says nothing, though. Just look away, like <laughs> like the most conspicuous look away possible. Or, or if he's just got some weird stuff, and probably not the weirdest thing that Lenny's ever worked with. The elevator goes up a floor, and you watch as Lenny steps out and heads back to his office where you've been watching him for the last couple of days. You know which office it is. It's just down the hall, kind of close to the elevator. Goes in, turns on the light, turns on his computer, starts working again. At least it's air-conditioned. It's very air-conditioned. I think Oscar has probably uh, made an effort to stock the break rooms surreptitiously with jerky, and we'll, we'll find the break room on this floor and retrieve a jerky and then just like sit there and watch the hallway. You find a pack of Jack Links where you left it, pop open the little Ziploc bag, and sit in the same dark, unused office across from Lenny's place as you watch him work. Caspian and Oscar, I would like to know what your vigilance is. So I think it's probably fair to say that Oscar has been putting some effort into this, so I will spend a strain and set it to three. And I think Caspian has been keeping uh, his friends, uh, his spirit guardians, out and about, kind of keeping an eye a bit closer than he's able to. So his is a five. So Caspian, you're in your hotel room just down the hall from where you know Lenny's family is staying, and you're just watching the door and keeping apprised of the situation via Oscar. Yeah, I think he'd be peeking out now and then to, to see the situation in the hallway. This is unusual, right? That Lenny would go back to work after coming in on a weekend? Yeah, it's pretty unusual. But from what little you know of Lenny, you know that he's also kind of a workaholic when he gets into his good place. 
So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be too out of place that Lenny's just decided to work on a weekend. But that doesn't excuse the fact that you see Miller emerging from the freight elevator that Lenny and Oscar just left in. And he's kind of jogging down the hall, looking around. And you can see that he's got a Kevlar vest on, very visibly armed. And he looks to be in a bit of a tizzy. All right, I will uh my AR and go into the hallway and say, Miller, what's happening? Uh, we just got a report. One of our sentries stationed in the vicinity just spotted some real suspicious looking unmarked vehicles coming down the hall, coming down the street towards our building, or at least we think it's towards our building. It's not your typical black vehicles, but it's a bunch of them. SUVs, vans, just converging down the street, down several streets, most likely heading towards this building. So security's on medium alert. I'm just making sure that everybody's in their place. Um, where's Lenny? He's upstairs, uh, getting down to some work. Okay, is your friend with him? He is. Okay, good. Just make sure that your buddy stays tagged close to Lenny at all times, yeah? I'm going to go upstairs, check on the server room, make sure our boys there are well aware of the situation. Should we be locking down the elevators? Once I'm upstairs, yes. Because I am needed upstairs to defend the information that sits within these servers. It's very important that we keep the archive and the server room secure. If we lose that if we lose either of those rooms, all of the Orpheus operations running from here are as good as busted. Right. You'll give the order for that? Of course. Uh nods and texts Oscar to say uh essentially all of that. Miller nods as he pats you on the shoulder and he says, I assume you're at, and he asks, where are you going? Uh, I'll stay on this floor. Keep an eye on the family. He nods. And then he says, okay, good. You have my phone number. If you see anything suspicious, I'm going to go upstairs. I need to make sure that the server room and the archive are okay. Caspian will, will nod and uh, continue his texting. Well, I guess if a thing is happening, Oscar will put another strain into awareness. Just, just bump that, or into vigilance, bump, bump that up by one. Oscar, from your place in this dark office, you have a good view of where the freight elevator opens, as well as Lenny's office. And you can see that as Caspian is sending you this string of text messages, you see the freight elevator open, and two guys in Kevlar vests carrying handguns emerge from the elevator. One of them turns right and heads down the hallway past Lenny's office, and the other heads straight ahead out of your sight. So, I mean, is is, is this concerning? Do these appear to be, like, the security? Or are these, are these like, Orpheus security? Is that is that the, the appearance that they give off? Yes, they appear to be Orpheus security. And it is the case that I have like a line of sight to Lenny's office from here, right? It is directly across from you. You can see him. All right. Well, then I'm just going to sit in the dark office. I, I'm just going to stay there for the moment. Um, That's fine. Presumably this guy will walk down the hallway past both of the offices and uh, no worries. But, uh, you know, I'll keep an eye on him uh, just in case it turns out to be something worse. And the something worse comes to pass a moment later when the two of you feel and then hear 
a loud explosion come from several floors above you. This has been Applied Materials, an Orpheus Protocol actual play podcast. A warm thanks to our players tonight. Kale for playing Oscar. Greg for playing Caspian. Be sure to follow the show at Applied Mats on Twitter, and we will return in the next episode. Good night. Caspian, Oscar, and Lenny link up as the situation in the base continues to deteriorate. Their priority is getting Lenny and his family out safely, but the intervention of a new enemy puts a stop to their plans. Next time on Day in the Life, Part 6.